Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Over $440 million have been sent to Texas farmers and ranchers under the second round of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up. The 2020 sorghum crop in South Texas and the look ahead to 2021. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We're going to talk a little bit about beautiful fall color in Texas. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about what makes leaves colorful in this fall. We'll have all those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has approved more than half a million applications for aid through the second phase of the coronavirus food assistance program. According to USDA data, $9.5 billion has been sent to U.S. farmers and ranchers who have suffered losses through the coronavirus pandemic. Of that, $443.4 million has gone to Texas farmers and ranchers so far. Producers have until December 11th to apply for CFAP2 at their local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead as appointments may be required. Additional details on CFAP2 are available on farmers.gov backslash CFAP. That's farmers.gov backslash CFAP. Weather and other issues impacting lettuce production in Central California will likely affect availability and prices at grocery stores and restaurants in Texas in the coming weeks. According to the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, unseasonably high temperatures and crop diseases caused severe losses to iceberg and romaine varieties in Central California. Dr. David Anderson, Extension economist, said the shortage is another instance of the United States food supply chain being disrupted. Lettuce is a cool-season crop that performs best at 60 to 65 degrees. Anderson said Texas and the rest of the U.S. rely on growers in specific microclimates to meet produce demands year-round. He said in a couple of weeks, it will be another area's turn to meet that demand. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The reopening of the old rancher's lamb processing plant in San Angelo is moving forward, but it's just a bit behind schedule. We were shooting for the first of December. Now we're thinking more, you know, towards the middle, maybe the third week of December. That's Jeff Hasbrook with Double J Meat Processing and Lamb Feeders. His family business bought the plant and is in the process of getting it ready for full harvesting and fabricating of lambs. We're still hopeful for a December startup. Everything's coming along good. The plant looks good. Um, so we're still, yeah, we're still plugging right along. More guys are showing up, you know, to do work and the, the 
the uh, contractors putting more guys on all the time. So it, it, it looks good. Looks really good. And while the rehabbing of the facility continues, other work is going on behind the scenes to be ready for the startup next month. We've got 10 or 12 people hired. We're taking applications. We've got a list of people to call back. You know, once we do get a little bit closer, um, we've had our first FSIS inspection. We've, they've given us a uh, establishment number. So we're, we're plugging right along. We're, we're in pretty good shape. With Double J already being in the lamb feeding business, they'll have a ready supply of lambs to begin processing. But they'll also be buying from local Texas producers. We're big feeders in Colorado. We've got lambs on feed in Colorado right now. Um, we're shipping those to different places for some of our customers. So once we open the doors here, that you know that will move to this location here in San Angelo. And then we, yes, we will hope to buy some, some local lambs from uh, lamb producers also in the area. The plant closed in 2005 and has been sitting idle ever since. So Hasbrook says there's still a lot of work to do. He hopes to have it open during the third week of December. The 2020 sorghum crop in South Texas saw record yields in some areas. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today from the Coastal Bend is Scott Stanislav. He is a DeKalb Asgrow Delta Pine technical agronomist for South Texas, covering from the Upper Coast through the Coastal Bend to the Rio Grande Valley. And Scott, thanks for being with us today as we do a recap on the 2020 grain sorghum season in your region of the state. It was a pretty interesting year for, for 2020 from the standpoint of grain sorghum production. All across South Texas, we definitely started off very dry in a lot of areas. That crop kind of struggled for a while and, and it didn't look too too bright um, there for, for a good while. And, and we actually ended up starting to catch uh, some good beneficial rainfall at the, at the most opportune time. And it really did... Uh, end up benefiting the grain sorghum acres across the, the coastal bend uh, and even up into the upper Gulf Coast where there we had really some, some record yields in some fields when we talk grain sorghum yields. Now, Scott, the latest uh, Texas drought monitor shows uh, many counties in the coastal bend all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley uh, either abnormally dry, uh, some uh, moderate drought, and uh, certainly very dry down there as producers look towards 2021 and uh, what are some of the new sorghum products uh, that you folks are working on specifically developed for Texas? With the sorghum product evaluator program that we've had going now for a couple of years, we've actually released quite a few new grain sorghum hybrid in the DeKalb lineup. And anyone that's been around the grain sorghum business for any period of time knows that a lot of times those grain sorghum hybrids, we don't get a lot of new ones very often. And so it's a, kind of a refresh to the DeKalb grain sorghum lineup here over the last couple of years. And there's or three of them that really this year have been ramped up in production for 2021. And the, the first one I'll mention is DeKalb 3607 which is a medium early sugarcane aphid tolerant hybrid that has a really good fit on a lot of those acres that DeKalb 3707 would go on. Uh, what we see, the benefit of, of this new product is definitely more yield potential out of it compared to its predecessor 3707, which has been around for a number of years. The next one is DeKalb 4407, which is another sugarcane aphid tolerant medium maturity hybrid that is a uh, red on a red, which means it's got real dark red grain to it, which means it weather very well out there in the field if we get into some wet spells towards the end of the season right before we harvest. The other one I'll mention is DeKalb 4560, which is a race three and six downy mildew resistant hybrid. That's the second one that we've released out of this program. We see a much better yield potential with it, and we also see a lot better 
grain weathering compared to its predecessor. And so, you know, that's a product that if we have a lot of grain sorghum on grain sorghum acres where downy mildew can be a problem, that's definitely a product to take a look at. But I would also say that there's a lot of yield potential even on those acres that haven't necessarily had problems with downy mildew in the past. That is Scott Stanislav. He is technical agronomist for South Texas with DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are some beautiful colors in Texas at this time of year. Horticulturalist John Begno reports from San Angelo. Well, most of you are seeing some color in Texas, probably some of the best color on fall leaves or leaves that are fixing to drop as we've had in years. And a lot of that is due to the rainfall pattern a little bit earlier than really dry weather. Reminder, those yellows and reds and oranges are always present. But when you start getting shorter day lengths and cooler nights, it triggers the chlorophyll to disappear, the green color, and all those others mask themselves. I know all through central Texas and around where we are in San Angelo, beautiful cedar elms, western soapberries and red oaks and all those things are turning colors. So those leaves are going to drop and leaf management can be an issue in urban areas for sure. Not so much in suburban areas, but you need to remember a couple of short facts. And one of them is that you get an organic matter overload when they hit the ground. And just driving over them with a lawnmower can overload that soil surface with too much organic matter which robs nitrogen and smothers grass so you may be forced to rake using that material somewhere in the landscape or even out on a pasture somewhere to regenerate soil is very helpful putting it in a garbage sack and putting it on the curb or just getting rid of it or burning it even is not necessarily the best way try to figure out a way to use that organic matter and not all leaves break down evenly live oaks of course, which are going to shed in the spring, are tough, and they may last a year or two or longer where some of the other smaller leaves will, of course, break down. Put them in a compost pile. Do a little research on composting. If you have a garden, a vegetable garden, you can also spread them on the surface and plow them in and feed them with nitrogen. So just manage those leaves well and enjoy the fall color. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. The wheat market this season is looking more promising for U.S. growers. Gary Crawford has the story from Washington. U.S. wheat growers continue to see prices above last season's average. USDA's Outlook Board Chairman Mark Chekanowski says one source of higher prices is lower projected wheat stocks. Stocks are getting, you know, for wheat relatively tight. They're at a six-year low, and that's been supporting prices. Futures prices have been very strong over the past couple of months. Also providing a bit of price support are developments in some other wheat-producing countries. One example, Argentina, where wheat's being harvested right now. USDA cutting its forecast for that wheat crop by a million times. Tons. That's a pr- pretty big cut there. And the reason? Mainly because of the some dry conditions that they've been experiencing over the summer into the fall as that crop is now just uh, starting to to be harvested. World stocks of wheat are still expected to be record large, but not as large as have been expected. And as you heard, U.S. stocks look to be at a six-year low. Result? With half the U.S. crop marketed already, a projected average all-wheat price for 70 a bushel, 12 cents higher than this past season. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Deer hunters can help families in need across Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a puppy or kitten experiencing hair loss, there may be a good reason why. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a puppy or a kitten with hair loss, there may be an obvious reason causing that. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. Ringworm is not uncommon in young puppies and kittens. Young animals have less immunity than adults and are more susceptible to ringworm. Ringworm is not a worm, but a fungal infection that is routinely caused by three different strains of fungi that can be found on animals and in the soil. Infection usually requires some form of mild trauma to the skin, moisture, and the presence of fungal spores. The spores adhere to the skin within six hours and skin lesions develop within one week. And animals can spread the fungus during the first week even if there are no skin lesions present. Transmission usually occurs by direct contact with an affected animal or by contact with a contaminated surface like a collar or clipper blades. Most animals develop ringworm lesions on their face, ears, and legs, and some may itch the areas and some may not. All young animals should be checked for ringworm if skin lesions are present, and this can be done with a special light called a woods light that causes the fungus to glow. However, it is not always accurate, and culturing or performing a PCR test on infected hair is recommended. The problem with a culture is that results are only available in two weeks, but the PCR test is usually available in three to four days. So the main concern is if you see skin lesions on an animal, and a young animal especially, take the pet to your vet to get a diagnosis and prevent your family and other pets from becoming infected. There are multiple options for treating ringworm that are effective, but a diagnosis is required to make sure the correct disease is being treated. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Deer hunters can help families in need across Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Hunters who have filled their freezers but still have room in their bag limit can help Texas families in need through Hunters for the Hungry. David Yates, the chief executive officer for the Texas Wildlife Association, joins us with more. Hunters for the Hungry is a program that's been in place around the country for over 20 years now. But in Texas, it is housed at a state level under the nonprofit uh, food bank called Feeding Texas. That nonprofit then has additional chapters around the state. And a great shining example would be the San Antonio Food Bank and how they've embraced this program. But at its core, the idea is to take harvested game, white-tailed deer primarily, and get those two meat processors who will reduce it down to two-pound packages of ground meat, which is then distributed by local food banks to those that are fighting hunger. Donated whitetail or mule deer should be legally tagged and field-dressed when taken to a participating processor. Yates said the deer donations made through Hunters for the Hungry are especially important to food banks, who receive mostly non-perishable food donations or cash. There's high demand for this meat. It's high-quality meat, lean, 
organic if that's of interest. It's healthy, lean protein that hunters and landowners need to get off the ground to manage populations. So there's ecological benefit for this, for just land management, game management, but then also it's providing some really desperately needed protein. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed start to the week in the livestock markets on Monday, but the cotton market had a nice jump to the upside. We'll take a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed trade all day long in the livestock markets on Monday. We ended up closing mixed for both live and feeder cattle futures. Let's run down the live cattle market first. December live cattle up 50 cents, 110.42. February down 20, 112.02. April live cattle up 15, 116.35. Same story in the feeder cattle market. November feeders down 20, 137.27. January feeders up 5, 137.92. March feeder cattle up 52 cents, 137.67. Cash fed cattle market at a standstill, as is typical on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle mostly 172 dressed up in the north, mostly 110 live here in the south. Boxed beef prices mixed, choice down 13 cents, 225.85. Select up $1.98, 211.44. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. First, we'll go up to the Panhandle. Cattlemen's Livestock Auction in Dalhart. Selling 2,387 head last week. Steer and heifer calves under 550 pounds were firm to $5 higher. Those over 550 pounds sold steady. Feeders, steers, and heifers over 600 pounds saw a firm market. Slaughter cows and bulls were 2 to $4 lower. Medium and large frame number one feeder steers weighing three to four hundred pounds just had a few in a narrow range selling from 202 to 205 four to five hundred pound steers brought a dollar 45 to a dollar 78 five to six hundred pound steers ranging from a dollar 26 to a dollar 76 six to seven hundred pound steers range from a dollar 20 to a dollar 39 seven to eight weight steers bringing a dollar 15 to a dollar 31 and a few heavy eight to nine hundred pounders bringing a dollar seven to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughter cows ranged anywhere from 32 to 54 cents. Slaughter bulls brought 78 to 83 and a half. 
Gonzalez Livestock Market, Gonzalez, Texas. 2,234 heads sold over the weekend. The trend was steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, $1.95 to $1.98 a pound. Three to 400 pound steers, $1.75 to $1.85. Four to five weight steers, $1.35 to $1.70. Five to 600 pounders, $1.19 to $1.30. Six to seven weight steers, $1.13 to $1.17. And seven to eight hundred pounders bringing a dollar three to a dollar eight a pound slaughter cows 24 to 53 cents slaughter bulls 64 to 79 stocker cows 525 to 1025 ahead cow calf pairs 750 to 1200 dollars a pair now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mixed. December hogs up 25, 65.15. February down 80 cents, 63.77. Class 3 milk lower. December milk down 97 cents, 16.74 hundredweight. Cotton and grains both closing higher on Monday. News of a coronavirus vaccine possibly being just around the corner helped to boost the financial markets. That, in turn, spilled over into the cotton and grain markets. Also seeing a weaker U.S. dollar on Monday, that always helps to boost prices. We close with December cotton up 111 points, 69.57. March cotton up 118, 71.58. Wheat and corn both getting a boost from that coronavirus vaccine news. December Kansas City wheat up six cents, five fifty-eight a bushel. New crop July wheat up five and three quarters, five seventy-six and a half. December corn up five and three quarters, closing at four sixteen and a quarter. In the energy markets, natural gas taking a big drop. December contract down thirty cents, closing at two sixty-nine. December crude oil up a dollar twenty-five, forty-one thirty-eight a barrel. And the financial markets higher as we mentioned earlier, Dow Jones Industrial Average up 337 points, 29,817. The NASDAQ up 55 at 11,881. The S&P 500 up 27, 3,611. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.